0: This is normally the part where I say, please be seated, but please remain standing. We're going to do something a little different at the very beginning here, so I want to make sure that everyone is good and awake so that we don't fall asleep. So if everybody could raise their hands up in the air like we're praising God, lean to the right, lean to the left like we're praising God, and get the blood circulating. All right, now you can be seated. We are going to start this off in a unique manner. Hey, Siri. Set a timer for one minute and 30 seconds. One minute and 30 seconds, starting now. For one minute and 30 seconds. I want us to sit and listen. did you hear until the baby started no 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 it, it was perfect timing perfect timing we heard nothing not a word from our neighbor not a word from our friend we were in silence absent of god's word in god's own house reminded of new birth with the child that's here with us today. Today's passage of scripture comes from the book of Amos, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, then 11 and 12. This is what the sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? He asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, the time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout the land, not a famine of food or a famine of water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. (laughs) People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to come into your house. And Father, I ask that you open up our hearts and minds, Father, to receive a message from you. Father, empty me of of my own thoughts, my own desires, and my own will. And fill me with your spirit that I may deliver a message that would impact not just myself, but all the saints of God that have gathered here today. Christ, Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is a difficult passage, is it not? I mean, it seems really, really dark. Now, I pull this passage of Scripture like I've been doing over the past several months from the lectionary, and actually, had I read the entire passage that the lectionary recommended, it would have been much, much darker than that. But I was convinced that that was the passage that, that God wanted me to, to use today. It followed my thoughts every day, and every time I turned, I saw something that reminded me of it. And the scary thing about that passage is that God said to the people that there will be a famine in the land, not of food and not of water, but of my very word. I found that very, very uncomfortable. A little background on what's going on here. It's the same thing that we normally hit. We don't go into a lot of detail about it. Israel rebelled against God. God called them, gave them the promised land, blessed them. They took advantage of it. They abused the people that were there, didn't uh, respond to society the way they were supposed to. And that's what God was saying to them. I have given you opportunity after opportunity to, to correct yourself. But since you're not going to listen to me, then I'm not going to talk to you for a while. My word will be absent. And we're not talking about the word that that we hear God press upon our hearts because back in that day, the Holy Spirit only spoke to to a select few, the, the prophets, the priests. And what he was saying was, I'm not sending any more messengers to you because you're not listening to what they say. You keep telling me and telling them the same thing, that, that we know what we're doing. We don't need you. And I thought about that passage of Scripture, and I, I told you, man, it, it just seems really dark, and it bothered me. And I got thinking, there's got to be some good news in that message somewhere. And then it dawned on me that if we take for the moment and just think, just like it was in the beginning of our service when there was silence that there was no singing and there was no praising, that if we think for a moment how it is that we forget how precious something is until it's gone, only then do we truly appreciate it. So I'm thinking that if God's words were to disappear, what would I be missing? I think I'd be missing the good news that comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Where God spoke to King Solomon and said these words that we've all heard so many times. That if my people... Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, I don't know where you connect with that passage of Scripture, but I can tell you where I connect with it. And it was many years ago after I just about destroyed my life after I drove my car through a stop sign and almost died. And when I was hurting and wanting more out of life than what I was giving myself, I walked into North Metro First Baptist Church and, and that's what the preacher was saying. That if my people who are called by my name, and that was the first thing that, that I hung on, that if they were, would realize that, that you are a precious people, that you're not just a, a random person that just happened to be in the world, but that you are created by a heavenly Father, that he knew you just like the prophet Jeremiah before you were even formed in the womb. That maybe, maybe, we would respect our lives just a little bit more and to know that you weren't just put into this world to be alone but that you were called by God that out of history that out of every person and the population of this world God himself looked down from heaven and called your very name. God is a loving and merciful God. And it's his desire that we live life to the fullest. There are requirements on doing that. And one of the things that he tells us is that that we as a people have to humble ourselves before God. And to me, that's the hard part. I just, you know, to be honest with you, humbling myself sometimes means that, that I have to back away and take my hands off my own life. It means sometimes that that I have to say, you know what, Tommy, you're not right. Or or Tommy, you're on the wrong road. Because, see, I don't know about you, but I get headstrong sometimes, and and I'm going to tell you something's going to happen, and it gets stuck in my head, and I keep pushing and pushing and pushing and fighting and fighting and fighting because I'm going to somehow make it happen. And if I don't make it happen, then somehow God in heaven is going to see how much work I'm doing, bless me, and do it for me. But that's not what humility is about. Humility is... It's about saying to self that no matter how good I am or how rebellious I am, I cannot save myself. That salvation only comes through Christ Jesus and the blood that, that he shed on the cross that, that we should be redeemed. And through that blood, we as a people stand in the presence of a holy God, humbled by his grace and his mercy and his love and humbled when we come to understand that everything God has to give us in this life, he wants to give for our good. And it goes on from there that, that not only do we humble ourselves, but God requires something else of us, and it's that we pray. And it's not that we do the repetitious prayers like we do every Sunday when we say the Lord's Prayer. Now, we mean it when we say it, and it's part of our worship service, but but prayer has to be more than that. Prayer has to be revealing of who we are and what our desire is. It has to be able to be a a continual conversation that, that begins and continues through our entire life, minute by minute, day after day, all the way to the point of completion. It's our way of talking to God and expressing to Him what we feel, whether we're happy or, or whether we're angry, whether we're distraught or, or whether we're optimistic. We talk to God, communicate with Him. And He requires that we seek His face. I always love that passage of Scripture because I'm a visual person, so when I read words, I, I kind of have a, a visual within my mind of what it looks like. Sometimes I imagine as a as a little kid running up to the grandparent, coming around the furniture and, and the crowd of people in the room, just, just so I can see my grandfather's face. I had to seek him out. I had to remove from my path the obstacles the other people and, and furniture and everything else that, that stood between me and my grandfather. And seeking out God's face is very similar to that. I think what he's talking about is this, that, that we, through the blood of Christ, come boldly to the throne, knowing that, that it's okay, that in our imperfection, because of what Christ done on the cross, we can stand in the presence of Of a holy God and not be afraid and not be ashamed. That God offers us a place in His plans for our lives. And He tells us that we have to turn from our wicked ways. Now, that's the part that always gets me because I never think of myself as wicked. Now, imperfect, yeah, I admit to. But but wicked, I just don't know about that. Now, we're going to take this back into context a little bit. They were talking about Israel. That's who God's talking about. Israel rebelled against God. They were worshiping other gods. They were doing things that were just awful. And the way they treated people was awful. So that's why God was saying to them, turn from those wicked ways, face me, find the righteousness that that I stand for and strive to be that way. And then the promise is this, that if we do those things, that that God will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. Now we interpret that many different ways, depending on where we are in life and, and what's going on. Some people would think, and here's what I thought when I first came in contact with this passage of scripture that when God said that he was going to heal my land, I understood that to mean that, that he was going to take brokenness and make it whole. That he was going to take a person that didn't have a direction and give it a path to walk on. I understood it to mean that that God was going to take those things that I did to myself that harm me and help me overcome those things so that I could be more productive in the life that God gave me. You see, when God asks us to, to give up those things that we enjoy, those things that that do harm, those things that we call sin, he's not asking us to to give up something that's good for us. He's asking us to give up something that's bad for us, something that keeps us from from walking in his path and something that keeps us from from accepting and receiving his blessings. You see, these are the words that, that I don't want to miss in life. That if I was Israel and God came before me and said, I'm not sending the word to you anymore, I would not be happy because I want to hear these words. I want to know that that there's hope for tomorrow, that there's life for today, and that there's a God in heaven that loves me enough that he dies on the cross that I can live. And those words go on from there. Not only did did God promise these words to to Israel, but but when he brought his son into this world, his son spoke the word. His son did more than just speak the word. But he was God incarnate, standing in the midst of men, telling them, and showing them how much he cared about them, about how passionate he was about their lives, calling them to purpose. But he didn't just give words of hope. But he gives instruction on on how we're to do things. In the book of Luke, Jesus was calling people to be his disciples, and he told the disciples that, you know what, if you're going to follow me, then you have to take into account the cost of what that means. Now, Jesus was talking about that if you're going to be my disciple, then you have to give up the life that you were living. Now, again, he's talking about this particular group of people. You have to stop being a fisherman and come follow me and be a fisherman. You have to stop being the tax collector. come with me, and go out and do what it is that I've called you to do. You have to take into account what it's going to cost you because, see, God doesn't make anyone do anything. It's free will. Loving God and following God is a choice. And he gave instructions that I think helps us in life, and it, it impacted my life when he was talking to the disciples. And it does say this, Luke 14, 28, suppose that one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying that the person began to build wasn't able to finish. Now, if We look at how that says, then we're going to go back on negative because he wasn't able to finish it. That's not what we want to hear. We want to hear the positive in it, the truth about what God is saying. That in our lives, in order to be productive, we have to be accountable. That we have to to make plans. And we live in a world where we are given resources. And no matter what, the image in our hearts and minds of what the a future is going to look like today we work with the resources that God gave us that's how we become disciples of Jesus Christ see every time we hear that we're going to be a, a follower of Jesus it, it conjures up this image in our mind of us letting go of what we already have and moving off somewhere else And doing something other than what we're doing now. But that's not always the case. It may very well be that that God calls us to be disciples in the community that we live and in the church that we live, and in the workplace, in the schools where we live. But he calls us to be responsible people. See, we want to, to dream and we want to have visions, but we want to understand the cost of those visions and how to fulfill those visions. And we can't always make tomorrow today. There may not be all the resources available today to make today look like something 10 years down the road. An example of this is when I was growing up, every Sunday we would go to my grandmother's house. It was called Hog Mountain, Georgia back then. Back when we were still country folk. But then Gwinnett County blew up and, and everyone became dignified, and they changed Hog Mountain to Decula. But my grandmother lived in a place called Hog Mountain, Georgia. And every Sunday after church, we would get on Highway 324. We'd be cross over 85 and make a right-hand turn on this road. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of that road. But what I do remember is that as you go down that road, you go into a 90-degree turn, literally. And in that turn, off the highway, back in the woods, sat a single wide trailer up near the front of the road somebody had cleared a lot of that land and I was probably seven, eight years old when this was happening and that lot of land stayed cleared for many years every Sunday I would ride by and I would see that lot of land that was cleared some years down the road we go riding down through there and, and amazingly something had changed, somebody began the cinder block foundation of a home So then I realized what was happening. That they were building something there. That they were constructing something that was important to them. But that foundation sat there for years. And I began thinking to myself that 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 person did not take into consideration how much it was going to cost them to build a house. I'm probably 15 years old at this time. Because every time I ride by, every week on my way to my grandmother's house, that foundation is there and nothing else has happened. Five years later I ride by and they've made a little more progress on that foundation. Then I go away and come back some years later and start working at Gwinnett County and, and I'm driving my patrol car down that road go into a call, and as I go into that turn, what do I see? A house that is fully completed. You see, that person took into account what it was going to take to finish their dream. He couldn't do it all at one time. Resources didn't allow it. But he didn't stop dreaming, and he didn't stop building Because of the lack of resources. What he did was this. He built a little bit at a time. And every time he cleared a spot of that land, a little peace was found in his heart. And then every time he went to, to lay a block on that foundation, he became a little closer to fulfilling his dream. Years down the road, with perseverance and due diligence. He completed the task at hand. And a beautiful house it was. You see, we can't live in fantasy land. That's how I tell my kids. I'm not telling that to you. That's honestly how I tell my kids. We live in a real world with a real God who's, who's really present, that, that really cares about your hopes and your dreams and your passions for tomorrow. But He asks us to consider the cost before we jump into things head first. The resources that God has made available today is necessary for today. And for that, we give praise. And for that, we are thankful as he walks us toward the completion of our dreams. Words of of hope, words of power, and words of presence that God has brought to us. It's always about perspective. I say that all the time. I can look at at my circumstances and, and, and I can say it's impossible. It's not going to happen. Or I can't do it. You see, I have to ask myself at that point, what's going on in my life? Because see, here's the reality. Nobody came to my house, opened my door, walked inside my house, took me by the hand, put me in the car, drove me to the Marine Corps recruiting station, and made me sign contracts. Nobody. Nobody came to my house, opened the door, grabbed my hand, took me to the police department where I filled out an application book that thick. Nobody made me do that. I chose to do that. You see, we want things to happen in our lives, we want things to, to happen around us. But we have to choose to do it for ourselves. I would love to say that, that I have the ability to, to walk into to everyone's house and give them everything that they want, but I, I, I don't. But we have that ability within ourselves. But here is where we lose sight. We lose sight when it doesn't happen fast enough. Be patient. Walk slowly. Love every blessing that God gave you for today and let him worry about tomorrow. It's hard, I know, especially when you, you want something so badly. Back when I was young, some of you might remember this. They came out with this toy. It was a, an inflatable balloon looking man that would look like a robot and and he had this little device on the bottom that would make him wobble back and forth and you know back in the day we thought that was the greatest thing in the world I wanted that thing for Christmas so bad I couldn't stand it and by November I knew that I was getting it And, and and every night from November all the way through Christmas I kept myself awake trying to figure out how and when I'm going to get it, trying to figure out how I'm going to enjoy it, who I'm going to share it with. I spent all my days during those two periods giving away my life because I didn't focus on the here and now, because I was too concerned about what was going to happen on the morning of December 25th. Take advantage of the day that you have. Enjoy it and love it. God's got the future. Scripture says this. The battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. It means you don't have to fight. You don't have to scrimp. You don't have to worry. Live in the presence of God today and he will handle tomorrow. And I think that the greatest words that I'm glad I have access to, that I get to hear, is this. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. An invitation that Christ offers. No one makes us. But his scarred hands are extended. Take that burden and lay it down at the foot of the cross. It's not yours to carry. Christ says, Learn from me. And this is what we learn from Christ. When Christ came into the world, John says light came into the world and shattered darkness. You see, Christ came in with an attitude of hope and empowerment to not just tell people about the goodness of God, but to show them how to experience the love of God themselves. Heal the blind. Cause the deaf to hear. And cause the lame to walk. And you know what? Sometimes we may not be physically deaf but I think that sometimes our own desires and our own passions and our our own inability to to sit down and be patient deafens our ears to the words that God speaks. And sometimes I think that we get so caught up in life not happening fast enough that we become blind to what God has before us. And I think sometimes that that when we take those things upon ourselves, then then we can become somewhat depressed or, or disheartened and learn, and we start to not getting up. We start not moving toward our passions. We start to give up. But Christ comes in into that darkness, and he brings light, and he says to us, open our ears, for we have a word from you that God still loves And God still has a plan. Open your eyes today and see all the glory of God around you. The friends you have, the fellowship, and more importantly than anything else, the very word of God. And let that encourage you to continue walking on your faith journey, no matter where you may go. So when I think about Israel not being able to hear the word of God, I think about what they could miss. And I celebrate today that that not only myself, but we as a people have not been cut off from the word of God. So let me encourage you today. That if you have a burden that you carry, give it to Jesus. That if you need a a word of hope and a word of inspiration, grab this book and open it. And see for yourself the words that God has written to you to reveal himself that you may live. Love God, love life, and cling to his word. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and thank you for the opportunity that you have given us together in your house. And Father, as we begin to, to move out into our community, we ask that you be with us. Give us hope and inspiration in all things we do. But help us, Father God, to to seek out your word, to know your word, and help us to cling to your word. Because we live in a country right now where we have the freedom to speak and read and and, and talk about you. Other people don't have that freedom. Help us to, to understand that as we move forward with our walk to you discovering all your grace, all your mercies, and all your blessings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. From our God, who loves us with an everlasting love, who brings forth a new creation in Christ, who leads us by the Spirit in the wilderness, grace and abundant mercy be with you all. Amen.